You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning again. Man, I'm so excited about tonight and our night of worship. You guys excited about it? Anybody? All right, I think it's going to be an incredible night. I'm also excited just about our time together today and and, uh, starting a, a brand new series called It's Your Turn. And one of the reasons why I think this series is important is because uh, a lot of Christians just never truly understand their purpose uh, that God has given to them. They, they never truly embrace the purpose, the plan that, that God has for them. And so I think it's huge for us as followers of Christ not to just realize that, okay, God has a plan, that God does have a purpose, but, but at some point on some level, you and I actually have to accept this purpose. We actually have to walk in this purpose. We actually have to choose to embrace it. God is not just gonna zap you and all of a sudden, boom, you're gonna start living you know, your God-given purpose in this world and, and, and living in this church and in this ministry. And so for us, I want us to take a minute to realize that it is our turn. And as I thought about this series and, and just our future as a church, I thought really this, this statement, that the only way we can experience the right future individually, but then also the right future corporately as a church here at FC is if we share the right values today. So it's important. I mean, you could apply this to your marriage. This, this is, you know, business 101. If you're going to lead, you know, an organization, if you are looking at the right future, if you want the right future for your life spiritually, then today as a church, we're going to have to share the right values today. And so for me, this is huge for our church because the things that we value today lead us to make choices today. And the choices that we make today obviously lead to our future. You might be single and you want to you know, be a godly man and have a godly marriage and family, but if, if you're not making decisions today that are leading to that kind of future, then, then you're just, you, you have no plan. Like this is not going to work out for you. Um, and, and so as a church, we want to, okay, have the right future. What does God want us to do? But in order for us to get there, We have to share, and you and I have to own. This can't just be a, hey, Trent says this is important. No, this has to be as a church, we value and actually embrace these values together. Um, Quick story, in the 1400s, there was a man by the name of Johann Gutenberg, and uh, he valued the idea uh, that everyone should or could have a, a printed copy of the Word of God. And so uh, he was able through much sacrifice, a lot of work, a lot of failure, uh, he finally got to the point to where he created the first, what we call the first movable type printing press. And essentially he created a book manufacturing system, okay? Now think about the 1400s. You probably haven't done that today, but just think about that for a minute. Like 96% of the people at that time could not read. What a dumb idea, man. We don't need a book manufacturing system right now. It was terrible timing when you think about it. I mean, even if people wanted to learn how to read, it, was gonna, it, it would take them a couple of years to actually do this. And so it would take them a couple of years to even enjoy this. So why in the world would you even consider this? If Gutenberg would have showed up on Shark Tank and presented this to Mark Cuban, <laughs> Cuban would be like, bro, nobody can read. And for that reason, I'm out, right? He wouldn't have invested. But thank God, Gutenberg saw a vision. 
Thank God that, that he embraced a vision that nobody else around him saw or cared about. Because of his work, we were able for the first time at that time to, to, to produce a copy of the Word of God. And, and that translated into now the commoners could have a copy of the Word of God eventually. And, and so many of the reformers who wrote their thoughts on paper could now make copies of that truth and led to the Reformation. I mean, without the printing press, who knows what history would have told us. So... Gutenberg valued the Word of God. He valued this vision in his life, and it led to that future. And so, you see, as a church, you have a choice today. We have a choice. You individually, us as a church, and, and, and we've got to realize, like, it's our turn. This is our life, and you've got to choose for yourself who you're going to serve, what you're going to follow, and what you want your life to actually do and be. Here's... The next statement I hope you grasp. When I say it's your turn, here's what we mean. It means it's your turn to make change. Change for the better in someone else's life that connects them to Jesus. So every time in this series when I'm saying it's your turn, this is my idea, like this is the concept. Like we want to make change that connects people to Jesus. Listen, you don't need a permit. You don't need permission to do this. All you need to do is see the opportunity that is in front of you, the God-given vision that he has given to you, and be bold enough and brave enough to walk in it by faith. There are so many opportunities around us, so many opportunities for us to you know, lead to change that would connect people to Jesus. You could create something that God uses in his church that doesn't exist right now. You could recognize the beauty around this world and you can lean into that and, and help other people discover that. You could ease the suffering of people in the world today if you were to think about the things that you care about and that break your heart and then begin to think of ways to solve that problem. You could create something that just doesn't even exist for the glory of God. You can show up in someone's life and make a difference in their life. I mean, think about all the things that God could do in your life. People think, well, Trent, me showing up is not going to make that big of a difference. But think about it. If you show up in that young person's life, that young person's life is changed forever because you chose to pour into him, to pour into her. If you choose to embrace your ministry in this church, that could lead to a decision that maybe a, an older man who has lived his life for the things of the world, but because of your ministry, he connects here, he shows up, he hears the gospel, and his life is transformed as a result. You see, you matter. What you do here matters some of you, I get it, you've lost your way. You used to be close to God. You're not so close to God anymore. You've drifted. You're not really committed to Foothills Church. Maybe you just kind of attend every now and then. You're not serving anywhere. You're not really giving. And I just want you to hear this today. Like, we need you. Like, we need you. God has gifted you. He has given you a spiritual gift. He's given you natural abilities. He's given you a story. And that story sure has some wrong turns and sin and some really bad mistakes. But Romans 8 tells us that God takes those mistakes and those that, that truly love God, he takes those uh, events in our life and he uses them for our good and for his glory. 
And so all of those events, those giftings, he's given you something that you're passionate about. Some of you maybe haven't even thought about it, but there are things that you hear about that just stirs your heart. And you're just like, man, somebody should do something about that. You see, God uses that, all of the giftedness. And he says, okay, I have given all of you uh, these gifts, this story. This is who you are. And now you're, you're to take all of this and use it in the local church, to use it for Foothills Church, to see more disciples made and to impact the lives of people in this community. The choice is yours and it's your turn. It's your turn. You know, I want in this series to challenge you to take that turn. I want you to dream bigger. I want you to, to think bigger. I, I want you to give God room in your heart today to, to give you that dream, to give you that boldness, to step into that. And I want us to think about, and, and, and I want to present to you the, the vision that I believe God has given to me for Foothills Church and, and the direction that, that I believe he wants us to, to take. And, and uh, so I want us to start our journey today by asking four questions. And if you've got your Bibles, go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and then also go to Hebrews 11. We're gonna look at two verses, uh, or two passages of scriptures uh, today. Uh, but when we look at chapter 30 here, uh, what we're seeing is that God has given Moses uh, these words, a, a new covenant that he's establishing with the Israelite people. And he's essentially telling them, it's decision time, man. It's like time to make a decision. You've been wavering. You, you know, you're, you're kind of on the fence. You're like, oh yeah, we love God, but then you just kind of drift and then you kind of follow idols and you kind of follow your own, you know, selfishness and what you want to do. And then it's like, oh wait, what about God? And Moses just gives the people of Israel this decision. He was like, hey, it's decision time. You need to choose. Are you with us? Are you out? And so in Deuteronomy 30, I love this passage. It'll be on the screen Starting in verse 15, God says, See, I have set before you today life and, and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of. But if your heart turns away, and you do not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob to give to them. This was God's promise to the Israelite people. Now, we don't take that to mean that God has a promised land for us and he's gonna be in that really awesome neighborhood that you've been dreaming about with the property and all the stuff. That's not what it means. What I want us to see is that God gives us the choice as well to follow the path that he has given to our church. He gives you the decision to follow the path that, that he has laid out for you. But, but if you're gonna make this call, if you're gonna choose to do this, there are some questions that I think that you're gonna need to ask yourself and wrestle with so that you can choose wisely. Here's the first question if you're taking notes. Number one, 
what do you value most? What do you value most? For God and the children of Israel, it was their choice, and it was their choice to either accept this call, accept this promised land, serve God only, or they could reject it. And if they rejected it, that meant death, or they could accept it, and that meant life. So this was the promise that God gives to them. Obey me, walk with me, follow me, then I will bless you. And so in a similar way, if we choose to follow God's plan, we are choosing life for ourselves, but we're also choosing life for the people that will be impacted because of our decisions for the glory of God. And listen, as your pastor, this is what I want for your life. I I want you to experience God's blessing and favor. I want you to experience a successful ministry and and marriage. I I want your life to to be a life that that, that is called to sacrifice and a life that's called to serve God and and experience the blessings that come with it. God says, are you gonna love me? Are you gonna value me? Are you going to value me as your authority? Are you going to value me as God, as your king, as your savior? Are you going to, in fact, worship me? He says, if you do, I'll bless you. If you you choose your path, you're going to experience suffering. So choose life. I want this church to choose life. I want you to choose life today. But in order for us to choose life, and in order for us as a church to experience this, then, then we've got to get on the same page. We've got to be in alignment with the things that, that we value as a church. And it can't just be, a, you know, Trent values this or our staff values this. This, in fact, has to be something that we as a church do together because I believe our church has been given a turn. God has given us this opportunity together We stand on the shoulders of millions of Christians who have gone before us. They brought the gospel to the Americas and planted churches in the Northeast. And eventually those churches uh, and those church planters moved to the southern states. And uh, at one point there was a group of people in Knoxville, Tennessee, that decided to plant a church in the Carnes community. And they said, you know what, we're going to name this church Grassy Valley uh, Baptist Church, Grassy Creek uh, Baptist Church. And so as, as, as they started that church, they later changed the name to Grace Baptist Church. And, and uh, you know, sometime later uh, in 1988, my, my dad was called to be the pastor there, Ron Stewart. And he, he led this little tiny country church, I mean, just a couple of hundred people. And over the next 40 years, what God did was a miracle. Um, the ministry and, and the amount of people that were impacted by the gospel and the things that they were able to do in that community and even around the world is, is, is amazing. And then in 2009, uh, God said, Trent, it's your turn. And uh, he invited us uh, with an opportunity to come and be a part of a church plant and, uh, in Maryville, Tennessee. And, and uh, we called it Grace Church of the Foothills. We later changed the name to Foothills Church. And we decided, you know what, our church, is, it's, it's not going to be about butts and seats. It's not going to be about how big we can make it. We really just want to be about making disciples. And we really want to really marry the idea that, that we are passionate about lost people. We want to do everything we can to engage them with the gospel. But we're also realizing and understanding that the Great Commission is not just seeing people get saved, but that we actually want to see them grow in maturity in their faith. And so we care. And so we decided to just do that. And so we, we trained people how to lead small groups. And I preached the word of God to the best of my ability. And we worshiped. And, and uh, God used that to begin to draw people to our church. People got saved. People got baptized. 
Uh, we grew to about 130 people, and then God, God said, hey, it's your turn again. This time you have an opportunity to buy a building uh, for over a million dollars. You have 130 people, Trent. What are you going to do? Well, one of the riskiest things I've ever done was, was to say yes, and, and we dove in, and we bought what we call the West Building now, and, and uh, we, we started to meet in the arcade, and uh, 130 of us just gathering, 30,000 square foot building. We're like, oh, why do we need this space? I don't know. God's going to do something. Like, let's, how about step one, we renovate the bar, and we get rid of all the alcohol so that we can have a cafe, and that was a good, good decision on the front end. Um, <laughs> And, and, and then we, we were able to renovate the bowling alley to make it our auditorium and, t- and kids' space. And so people gave. You know, they had to give to do that. It, it didn't just happen, you know, for free. And so as we did that, we continued to maintain the heartbeat of the church, which was to make disciples. And more people followed Christ. More people got baptized. More people got excited about the vision. And, and God grew the church. As we continued to step forward in this vision, we didn't have any lights, we didn't have any cameras, we didn't have any, you know, we didn't have a nice building really, but, but God honored the vision. Um, a couple of years ago, we had, we, we, we had gone to three services, our kids' space was tapped out over there, and uh, we were like, okay, what, what are we going to do? And God put the vision on our hearts, and we thought, okay, well, it's our turn again. We're going to do something. If we don't do anything, we're, we're just going to stagnate. And so we could buy property, we could build an auditorium that gets us out of that space so that our kids could have more space over there. And we're going to open up space for people who weren't here yet. And as we did and maintained that vision to develop disciples, God brought people. This has been the, the biggest and largest amount of growth that we've, we've had as a church. It's not because of the building. There are a lot of beautiful, empty buildings, by the way, all over the country. It was because our people care about the vision. They care about making disciples, and so we invite people, and people hear the gospel on a regular basis and give their life to Jesus, and as a result, the church grows. And so here we are again. We stand before God with another opportunity. We stand before God with another choice. Uh, We've got issues that I want to talk about today, and I want to unpack how I think we can resolve that, but I think it starts with recognizing that, that it's our turn as a church, and, and, and we've got to be willing to make the sacrifices necessary in order to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. I think it's going to be bigger and wider. It's going to cost more than anything we've ever done before, uh, but I think the rewards and the benefits are going to be incredible. Um, you know, I've got to make a choice. I feel like God's given me vision I feel like God um, has, has given me a heart for this area. Um, just like we saw this building, just like we saw this church, we see several things that I think God is moving us to. I think in the last couple of years, God has taken me through the fire. Out of that uh, season, I feel like God has made me stronger. My resolve is stronger. My passion is stronger. And I, I'm, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol if you'll go with me. And I believe the things that I want to share today is, is, is going to inspire us to do this. Um, but we've got to value the same things. So let's be reminded about our values here at Foothills Church so that we can all get in alignment. Here's what we value. First of all, we, we believe that Jesus is life. We believe it's all about sharing the gospel. Like, like our goal is to share the gospel with everybody in this community and beyond. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons why we don't have programs a lot in our church, like bring your kids to this and program, 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 because we actually want you to have a life. 
where you're going to practice and going to the gym and doing your thing and going out there because as you're out there, you invite people to church, you share the gospel, you talk about your story. This is how God uses all of us to make disciples. And we do this because Jesus is life. Secondly, we believe Jesus deserves our best. So this is about authentic worship. Like we want to create a, a, a culture of worshipers that, that engage in song, that engage in giving, and that engage in serving. This is a lifestyle of worship. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Brandon, who has been on staff now uh, for several months, and he's just been a game changer for me. He's been a, a godsend. Um, the idea that we have had for many years was like, Man, it would be incredible to take what God is doing in our church and actually create some songs together that we could worship God just out of the heartbeat of what God is doing in our people. And uh, so, man, ideas and, and uh, lyrics are not an issue for me. It's like I don't know what to do with music. And so Brandon is like Dr. Dre when it comes to producing, by the way. He's super talented. If you don't know who Dr. Dre is, don't Google him today. But just trust me. He's incredible, and so God has used him and, and our team to um, create all these songs that we've been singing, and tonight is just a part of that. Uh, thirdly, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about serving this community. Listen, I would much rather just preach one time a week and not have to do it a second time. I'd much rather not have to give, you know, of my resources to this church. You know, I got four kids, and they demand a lot. You know, I got stuff to pay as well, but it's not about me. I'd love to get here early and camp out on the end because of the leg room. I'm 6'4". I'd love to be able to. But listen, it's not about me. I'll scoot in and let all the people that come in late have that good seat, right? I don't want to park next door and walk, right? But it's not about me. I'll park there so that other people can have the spot. And so when it comes to serving this church, if you're not serving, it's, it's almost like it is about you. And so we value the idea that we all just kind of embrace and, and, and we, we are of the mindset that this is not about us. We'll do whatever we need to do in order to follow and do what God has called us to do. Number four, we believe that growth happens in relationships. So it's about relational environments for us. We want you to get in a small group. You, we hear, it all, you hear this all the time. You know, you can grow in this environment when you hear the word preached and, and you know, this is a, a good learning environment. But if you really want to go deeper in your faith, you need to be in relationships where people actually know you and what you're going through and they can challenge you, they can encourage you, and you can do the same. You're able to give that as well. If you don't have that, there's just a barrier. There's a wall in how much you're going to be able to grow. Number five, we believe that we can't stay here. So this is the idea that it, it, it's, about in, it, it's about being on mission, and, 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 and it's the idea that, listen, we gather here in these four walls. This is great. We worship. We're encouraged. This is uh, amazing. But then we leave. We can't stay here. We go to work. We go and we take the gospel with us. We send people to Africa. We send people to Knoxville one day. We send people to London. Why? Because we can't stay here. Like, people need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so we can't stay here. We value number six, that generosity is a lifestyle. It's not just a one-time deal. It's not just the whatever's in my pocket or whatever I've got left over after I pay the bills. No, it's a percentage. I choose to do this. I plan this because in my mind, I am honoring God. From a scriptural standpoint, he commands me to do this. And so I want it to be a lifestyle. Jesus, his entire life was about giving to other people. And so I want to model that. And so we, we in fact, value that. Number seven, finally, we believe that the next generation matters. 
It's not just something we say. We hire for it. We resource for it. We do things that other churches would never do because we value them. We value the next generation. We truly believe that high schoolers, middle schoolers, children, college students are not just the future of our church. We believe they are the church. And if you are in high school, college, like I want you to embrace this today as well, right? Like I don't care if you go to Maryville College or Knoxville and you're just kind of in for the weekend or whatever every now and then. Like, like, no, you're here. That means God wants you a part of it. And so embrace everything that, that we're talking about today. These are the values. And so out of these values, we make decisions today that impact our future. If the next generation matters, that means we're going to have to make some tough decisions as a church. I'll get to it in just a moment. Before we do, let's flip over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, we see that in fact, Moses has, has decided what he values, and he valued God. He valued uh, his faith. He valued living and serving uh, God's people. And so we, we get kind of a snapshot, kind of a summary of his life here in Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 23, that I want us to, 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 to grasp today and three more questions we need to ask ourselves. Here's what it says in verse 23. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and that they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. A few things here, man. This is, this is awesome to read and, and apply to our life. First of all, Moses' parents had to decide to take a chance. They had to take their turn. They saw something different in their child. The scripture says that because he was beautiful, they were not afraid. So it's not just because Moses was a little chubby, cute baby that they decided to do this. That Hebrew word essentially meant that, that, that God's hand was upon this child. They knew that he had been chosen for a specific task. And so by faith, they take this baby, they put it in a, a, a basket and put it in the Nile River. And sure enough, Pharaoh's daughter is bathing and she sees this baby. Her heart is taken in by this baby and she adopts Moses as her own. And she doesn't even know at that time that he was Jewish. Now, today, by the way, is National Adoption Day. And so I just want to make this comment. Like if you've been adopted, you're in good company today, just like Moses. God has chosen a special group of parents that you get to call mom and dad. And so you are in great company today. And, and not only that, but here at FC, we care very deeply about adoption. And uh, we actually have a ministry that focuses on raising awarenesses for the cause of orphans and vulnerable children. And we actually support those people who are actually doing that. And so if you give to FC, hey, here you go. You support orphan care and you didn't even know it. So Mo Moses is born and he's born as a Hebrew slave but then, because he is now in Pharaoh's house, he's raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And as a result, he is now the grandson of the most powerful man in the world. But he had to make a decision. In verse 24, we see what that decision was. 
he had to ask this question, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? You see, instead of being known as Pharaoh's son, he wanted to be known as God's son. He had to make a decision, who am I going to be? Am I, am, am I going to live in this life of luxury in the palace, right? My, my grandfather is the wealthiest man, most powerful man in the world. I have every luxury at my disposal. Beautiful women will hold grapes over my mouth and feed me while they fan me with big palm leaves. <laughs> it's kind of like what Micah does for me on date night. It's very similar. Just kidding. Not at all. Seriously, not at all. No, just kidding. No, but th- he, he lives in the nicest place in the entire world at this time. So fame, fortune, everything that our heart longs for and everything that you and I sometimes try to grasp in the American dream, he says, nah, I don't want it. I want to be known as God's son. I want to be known as a Hebrew, and I will endure this suffering. And why does he do this? It all goes back to what he valued. And he valued his faith, he valued God, and he wanted to be known for something different. Now, what do you want to be known for? Would you be able to give that up for the life that that God wants you to live? What do you want to be known for? I think uh, a lot of people would kind of lean towards the comfortability of all the luxuries of the palace. We long to be comfortable, right? And so what do we want to be known for, though? What do you want to be known for today? Listen, we've all been to funerals, and, and uh, you know, I think it's a little bit sad to think about, but I also think it's a good practice that, that you would think about your own funeral today. Like, when you're in the casket, like, what do you want people to remember you by? What, what do you want people to know you as? Do you want them to be like, ah, this was so-and-so? He was, a, he was an all right dad. Pretty average, but... He, he was a, he was a, you know, kind of a, an attender at FC, like he came every now and then. So, I mean, that's a, that's a thing. He's a funny guy. I mean, he could tell a good joke. Like, seriously, what do you want to be known as? Do you want to be known as, as a good guy, number one sales guy at your, your place? Oh man, way to go. Or do you want to be known as a man that walked with Jesus? Do you want to be known as a man who was committed to his church? served his church? Do you want to be a woman that is known as a woman of faith and that you put Christ first in your life and you, you served your family? Guys, you served your wife. Like in sacrificially, you were part of something bigger than yourself. What do you want to be known for? Man, he had a really good car collection. I'll tell you what. What'd you do with those cars? Oh, we sold them. <laughs> awesome. What do you want to be known for? Moses figured that out, and he gave all of that up, all that comfort up, because he wanted to embrace the vision that God gave to him. Here's the next question that we need to wrestle with today. Number three, what are you going to worship? What are you going to worship? Now listen, we're at church. Answer to that question, Sunday school answer is Jesus, right? You know, in Sunday school, there were always, you know, the, the answer was always Jesus or Moses. Like 100%, say one of those, and you were good to go. Like, who do you want to worship? Oh yeah, we want to worship God, but let's think about our life. What are we actually worshiping? What does our life actually, you know, value in our life that we're giving our time, attention, 
and resources toward. Like Moses was able to give up the pleasures of sin here, is what it says. And he was, he was not motivated by pleasure. He was not motivated by comfort and temporary wealth. He wasn't motivated by what we would know as the American dream. No, he walked away from that stuff to walk with God. Now, the question is for you and I, are we actually going to worship God or are you going to worship your comfort? Are you going to worship what the world values or are you going to worship Jesus and his mission? That's what we've got to wrestle with today. You know, Jesus gave up his glory for the sake of his people, and he accepted his suffering that that the world uh, brought to him. He he embraced shame and, and a terrible death, and Moses, in the same way, chose to share in the sufferings of Christ rather than live with the glory the world had to offer. Listen, he considered what God valued more valuable than the pleasures and the money and the comfort and the resources that the palace had to offer. The question for you today is what are you gonna worship? Are you gonna be enamored with the palace or do you wanna embrace your purpose? This is what we've gotta grasp. God has given you an opportunity. He's given you a turn. Now, most churches would say, oh, we worship Jesus. Oh, of course, we're going to worship God and do whatever it takes to make his name known. And then at the end of the day, like, the reality is so many just worship comfort, you know? We worship God, we just don't want new people to come to our church, right? Because they might take my seat. I may have to park far away. I'll have to walk. If more people come, that's going to require more money. And so we just don't want to give. So we're, we're good, man. We're good good. Why? We worship comfort. This is why most churches don't embrace God's vision for their life. Listen, whatever you value most is what you're going to end up worshiping and serving. And and as Moses evaluates his life and as he looks at his future, we see that he obviously is serving and worshiping God. Here's, Here's a good question for you today. Could you even name what you value today? Could you name like your top three values? Or would you be like, oh, I don't know. Like if you can't name and write down what you consider valuable, how are you going to actually live by it? How are you actually going to make decisions on where you live and what your job is and who you're going to marry or who you're going to date if you don't even know what you value? If you don't even know what God values. Listen, if you're young, like, these questions are money for you. If you can get this right, some of the older folks in the room who, who made their fair share of mistakes, they're wishing they would have walked through this a long time ago. Because if you can get this right, you can end up accomplishing more for God if you start walking with him today. Now, fourth question, finally. Here's what we got to ask ourselves. How are you going to make choices? How are you going to make these tough decisions in life? How are you going to make him? In verse 27, it says that Moses didn't fear, but he actually made his decisions by having faith. He had faith in God. So you're going to make your decisions based on fear or faith. A lot of people make decisions based on fear, fear of the unknown, fear that I might mess up, fear that I might make a mistake, so I'm not going to try, fear that this whole thing may blow up, fear that Man, I may look really bad if I do this, so I'm going to play it safe, and I'm not going to make any decisions. I'm going to play it safe, essentially, 
right? Are you, are you going to be somebody that, that, that makes decisions based on the fears that you have? Or do you want to be someone who makes decisions based on faith in God? God, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how it's going to make me feel. I might get embarrassed, but I know this is what you want me to do, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace it. I know this is what you want me to give. I'm going to give it. Everybody around thought Gutenberg was an idiot. Like, what are you doing, man? Nobody can read. Like, this is not a good idea. You're, you're not going to make any money. But he took his turn, and so do you. For Moses, he had every reason to be afraid. The most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, wanted him. He was after him. He had every reason to be afraid. And yet the reality is he faced those fears and he lived by faith. You see, all of us are going to face some level of fear in our life. And you're going to be faced with this opportunity and this decision. And you're going to have to make a decision. Not making a decision is a decision, by the way. You're going to have to say, am I going to have faith that God's going to work it out and I'm going to go here? Or I'm a little too afraid, so I'm just, I'm going I'm to go safe. I'm going to go safe. Every single one of you are going to have to make that decision. Now, some of you are afraid to serve in God's church because you're afraid you're not good enough or afraid that whatever. Some of you are afraid to go to base camp and join. Some of you are afraid to get baptized. By the way, December 1st is Baptism Sunday. If you've been waiting, there's no, no more waiting. It's your turn. It's time to take that step. Go to the Connect Center and say, it's, it's, it's time for me to get baptized. Get me on the list. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is for you specifically, but I do know this. As a church, if we don't get this right, then it's not going to matter. Because the only way that you and I are going to embrace God's vision for our church is, the, 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 is that only the right values will give us the right future. If we don't have the right values, if, if, we, if, you know, if we stray from making disciples in Jesus' life, then you know, our future is not too, you know, um, it's not too great. But if we have the right values, then we can have the right future. And as a church, we, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to embrace this with me. Um, one of our values, as I said, is the next generation matters. So in this season of our church, this is where the rubber meets the road. Like, do we really believe the next generation matters? Or is that just a statement that we like to put on the wall? I like to believe we actually do uh, believe this. Our 2020 vision I shared with you last year was to multiply leaders, to multiply campuses, and to multiply resources. And so I want to begin to unpack uh, some specifics out of that vision uh, over the next few weeks. Today, specifically, the reason why we need to multiply resources in our church. And so uh, what's the problem? Well, we've got a lot of problems in our church. Uh, some of them are good problems. And one of the problems we have is that we have a lot of babies and a lot of kids, and they're all in the West Building today. And um, thank God they're in the West Building, by the way. Can I get an amen? Anyway, <laughs> just making sure you're awake, mom and dad. Um, and so they're over there. And the reality is we have hit a capacity issue. Like what what space that we currently have. And, and, you know, we've done the best that we can to create environments over there. Um, but, but essentially, it's crowded. Like, it's, we, we've, we've kind of hit that capacity. We need to do something about that. We've, we've hit capacity on parking in our church. So that's always been an issue. You guys deal with that every week. It's like, oh, we're going to park. And, and so uh, that's why we park at the North Lot. There's over almost 100 cars that park there every week. And the reason why they park there is to create space for people. I mean, can you imagine being at church and like people pull into your, you know, your, your, your property and you're like, 
I'm sorry, man, we're out of parking. Where, where, where do you want us to go? I don't know. You can't park here. We don't have any parking. Like, that's a tragedy. So parking um, is an issue. Uh, this service, on many occasions, has been 80% full. So we're already kind of even hitting some of the space issues in this room. And so these are the good problems that we have that we need to resolve. And so what's the solution? Well, let me um, fill, fill you in. I, I think we could worship comfort, and we could say, you know what? We're good. We're done. Don't need anything else. Let's just kind of roll with what we got. Or we could say, okay, we value the next generation, so it's time to make a really tough decision. And so I think one of the, one of the decisions we have to make, and this is what I believe God is calling us to do as a church, and that is to renovate uh, the building next door so that we can have appropriate space for kids. Now, we're not like looking at this to create the Taj Mahal over there. <laughs> we're talking about walls and a ceiling. A ceiling would be nice over there. That would be great. It wouldn't be as loud and, and uh, just appropriate space for them to be discipled and for them um, to engage, you know, their, their, their lesson and their large group time. And not to mention on Wednesday nights, man, there's 400 kids here, 100 volunteers, and they need space for small groups so that discipleship can, can take a, a, the next level uh, in their lives. So by renovating, we'd be able to accomplish that. Uh, our staff would love to have some offices. That would be a, a, a nice thing to be able to have. And so we, would, we, we believe this is part of what we got to do. Now, the parking issue is, is also an issue. So what do we do? Well, we can, you know, pursue buying land, create a parking space. And um, by the way, this is not a new vision. We've been talking about this for the last three years. But the heartbeat for me would be like, man, the need for counseling is so huge. I can tell you every week we get calls, we're flooded with calls, people wanting counsel and needing issues, and we just don't have the capacity to, to keep up with the demand. It's just, it's just too high. And so what would it look like if, if when we built a parking lot and we had some space that we actually built a counseling center? In this area, most people go to Knoxville for counseling, if they go at all. Um, honestly, I think a lot of people just don't because there's nowhere for them. So what would it look like, you know, to have, a, have an opportunity? Well, you might say, why, why there? Why not just inside the building? And, and there's some anonymity that's important for people. Like when they come to counseling, they don't want to walk by their pastor. Oh, hey, Trent, just getting some help. <laughs> like that's not, you know. So that anonymity is, is a good deal, right? And um, just imagine like marriages that <laughs> dad sticks around because we cared enough to invest. What would it look like if, if someone decided to choose life instead of death because they had an opportunity to, to have counseling here on our property? Man, to me, that's worth it. I think it's an investment on the front end, but after the first year, um, I can't promise you, but I have a very confident um, feeling that it would be self-supportive after that. And so, um, man, I, I think that's huge. This, the third thing that we've talked about and what we wanna do is is that really the best way to reach people with the gospel is through the church. It's the best way. That's, that's God's way. That's like his plan. And so uh, we, we've just felt called to plant a campus in, in Knoxville so that we can, by the way, there's a 30,000 uh, member college down there. They need the gospel, right? And uh, what would it look like if we actually filled that need? You know, a lot of people here might say, well, we don't care about Knoxville. We really just care about right here, you know. And so I just got to tell you, you got to repent of that sin today because here's the reality. People say, well, Knoxville doesn't need any more churches. There's plenty of churches. They said the same thing to me when we planted here. Aren't you glad we didn't listen to them? Like your family, 
like what you get, right? I mean, the area we're talking about going to is very unchurched, and so um, we, we believe this is part of, of God's call on our life. Jesus said to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the world. Jerusalem is Maribel Alcoa. The, Judea is Knoxville. You know, that's why by ends of the world, okay, Todd and Christy, you guys go to Africa. You know, Nelsons, you guys go to London. Everybody's called somewhere. We're called here, okay? Let's do the work that God gives us to do. Now, the cost. We've been meeting with an architect for several months now. He's developed a master plan. And so to renovate next door would, would cost us $2 million to do that. That's a, that's a high price, right? Um, we could do that in phases based on the generosity and the giving that we have here. We could do kind of phase one for a million and then do the second later. If we're going to buy land, build a counseling center, uh, that's going to be almost $2 million as well. So that's a big deal, and, and uh, that, that would be incredible. We also have the vision of this campus, and that's going to be anywhere from $500,000 to a million. We talk about a building and renovating a building and staff and, and uh, outfitting that. So essentially, we need $5 million to do this vision. And, and for some of you, you're like, oh my gosh, that's too much. And for me, I'm like, God, is that too little? Like, I, I don't want to shortchange you. It feels like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the vert. I'm, I'm, I'm over my head with this, God. So I know this is a God vision, but I also know that, like, that's, that's I mean, it's nothing for you. So, you know, we, we feel like our job as elders is to pray about the vision, seek the direction, cast the vision. And then as a church, you decide how fast we accomplish that vision. You accelerate the vision with your generosity. And so I, I believe that all this is gonna happen. It's just a matter of time. And uh, your generosity is really what tells us the speed and the rate at which we get to do this. I think if we had to choose one and kind of prioritize, it would, it would need to start with our kids area. And so I think that's where the priority really lies. Some of you might say, why, why and why now? Well, why do we have to do this now? And, and I would just say, look, this is, this is a result of what we've been going through as a church for 10 years. And so if you're, if you're new, this may sound new. If you've been here, this is like, Trent, you've preached this like 20 times. I've heard this before. But the reality is like when a church makes disciples, people come and they get saved. And then they get excited about ministry. God changes them and other people see this change and they wanna come and be a part of it as well. More people attend and as a result, we just need more space. And that's what we've seen and that's really where we're at. So this series is, is uh, developed so that you would engage the vision here at FC and your own personal walk with God. And it really culminates on December 8th for our vision offering. The vision offering... Um, is a one-time gift. It's like you, you're, I'm, I'm challenging you to give a one-time, generous, sacrificial gift, and it's also a commitment to give for one year, over and above what you normally give. And so that will take place on December 8th. And, and so to help us get there, I really want to call everybody associated and connected with Foothills Church, even if you're at home watching this online, that you would engage with us for the next 21 days in prayer and fasting. We've got a guide that we've put online. It's also on our app. You can download that. And every day there's, a, there's a, a scripture to read. There's a prayer to guide you in what to pray. And I really truly believe that as a church, this is, this is what we 
need and must do in order to, to move forward with God. Like we wanna hear from him. We may come away and say, you know, th- this is actually, we need more, we need to do this. And, and so um, I, I think for all of us, we need to rally around this uh, together. And next week, I uh, wanna share more, uh, announce uh, what I think is another uh, a big decision that uh, I think we, we need to make. And of course, tonight is our night of worship. And so we really wanted to put this night here because it really kicks off this 21 days of prayer. Uh, tonight's about uh, worship. Tonight's about prayer. Tonight's about seeking the heart of God. We're praying for revival. And uh, we want that revival to start right here in our heart first. And, and, and we know God wants to do a work. God promises to build his church. The question is, are we gonna take our turn together? Let me pray for you. In fact, let's stand as we pray. Lord Jesus, all over the room, men and women who are saved by your grace, called by your name, gifted. God, you have a plan for them, a purpose for them. I pray they would would have the courage and boldness to walk that plan, that they would choose life, that they would not be blinded by the enemy, they would not be blinded by the pleasures of sin, but that they would realize that your grace and mercy and plan is way better than anything this world has to offer. And God, we just also pray that you would provide the resources that we need in order to accomplish your vision. This is not Trent's vision. This is not our elders' vision. God, this is what you have called us to do. So help us to be diligent and faithful in it. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.